All right, man. We're live on uh, episode number six. Welcome, everybody, and uh, thank you for our, to our special guest. We got Trevor Gobio, former uh, Somerville Gardens legend. Thanks, buddy. Good to have. Good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, awesome, man. I know. Um, Thanks for. It, it's going to be cool too, because like obviously, you know, we got you have a lot of hockey knowledge just based on uh, the IG DMs that we're sliding back and forth. So, I think you're definitely going to have some good takes here on the uh, on everything that's happened over the past week. Yeah, man. It's been it's been crazy super eventful so I'm, I'm ready to get into it with you i'll i'll kind of throw you a bit of a curveball here thinking about the past okay. week right you can pick any event that's happened but what do you think has been the most controversial or i mean hottest thing that's happened this past week hmm. i think the spezza for six games has actually been pretty controversial okay yeah i feel that so do, um, do you think it's too long do you think it's accurate I think it's a. I think it's a very fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting maybe five games. I think six games is a bit much, right? Due to the fact that he's not like known for that type of play. Yeah. But I think it was so like retaliatory that like the player safety had to give it to him. They had yeah. to slap him down. Like it was pretty gross to see. Like when it when it slowed down, like he had the time and the space to to like clear his knee out of the way totally. from avoiding Pionk's head. And the only reason. He did it was because Pionk um, had a knee on knee against Sandian. Yeah. So if it was any other player, he would have gotten out of the way. And yeah. and I know like hockey Twitter just like went off at the fact that it was even six games. And I think it was honestly pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, it was like you said, man. It's super retaliatory. The whole game was a a little bit of a nightmare. I mean, there was two plays that um, what was it? I think it was Wayne Simmons. Um, was Wayne Simmons scrapping that game too? It was like just a, yeah, yeah. A, an overall dirty game and then that just was the cherry on top and i don't think he's ever been suspended before no exactly so that's why i was a little surprised with the uh the six games that they gave out to him but i i hear that he is um gonna appeal it though so yeah. i wonder how that process will actually play out i, th- I think the uh cowdry t- tried to do that one time as well i think it was during playoffs uh last year he tried to get the um the suspension reduced, but the suspension process and the appeal process literally still took eight games. So it was like, even though you appeal, you still are definitely going to spend that. Um, yeah. But in terms of regular season, it might be different. We'll we'll definitely have to see. And it's a yeah, huge I wonder loss if, to Toronto too. Oh, massive. And I wonder if, um, like comp- comparing it to the Kadri situation, I feel like it's a little bit different due yeah. to the fact that, like you said, like Spezza is not known for this behavior, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I feel like that's the biggest like controversy in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um in these last upcoming days, but like overall throughout the last week, like obviously like some major Ugh. things happened. Yeah. So some big some big yeah. Boudreaux action, dude. Yeah, dude. So, okay, so we got the if anybody's listening to this episode and hasn't heard this, which would be incredible. Um yeah. Jim Benning, Travis Green, both fired. And it was it was weird too because the it was a leak that basically sparked all this from the boy Elliot Friedman. Yep. Um and we got uh Bruce Boudreaux coming in alongside Scott Walker, but still don't have a um a definitive uh a GM yet. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how that's gonna play out. Um I really like Stan Smeal right now as yeah. the interim GM. Like I feel like he just bleeds blue and green. So who knows if he'll like actually take the reins as a GM maybe for the rest of the season and then they'll get a GM maybe even next year mm. or if they are in a rush to get a GM um, to finish out the season. So it's hard to say. Like I feel like the season is such 
a lost cause already. So yeah. is, is it even worth like pursuing a GM just for the sake of slapping a GM title on anyone? Do you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, hundred percent, man. There's like 50, 55 ish games left. So you're looking at, do you want this, this GM, if you're going to put him in, obviously you're not going to, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but it's a slim chance they're going to be making it to postseason unless they go like two and three for, or uh, two wins out of three games for the rest of the season um, over mm. and over again. But like, is it just for that? Yeah. Do we just want a GM for the title of GM or do we want to wait this out and actually put a person who we want to keep for longer than, you know, two years, three years? Right. Totally. Like if you, if you look at like the Benning era, that was eight years, yeah. eight years wasted. So like they have to be incredibly smart and very patient in their interview process for this GM, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and they really have to make the smart decision or else the fan base will be completely against them. And you've kind of noticed this. I, like I, I started getting into this, um, this Canucks Twitter recently to start seeing like what the, what the basis is. Is it toxic? Is it not? Um, what I've seen is I know Toronto has a really flipper flop fan base where if they could go on a two, three game win streak and it's like, this team's going for the cup and they could go on a yeah. two, three game losing streak. And it's like, okay, sell this team. We're going for Shane. Man, Wright. They, they were, they were throwing jerseys on the ice in like what, like 10 games into the season. Yeah. <laughs> like, like their, their fan base is, is toxic to the, to the, to the max. So. Yeah. And we we waited what, 23 games to throw a jersey on the ice. So yeah, we beat them there. Um, <laughs> Okay, I, I have a question for you, actually. Okay. Um, if if that jersey on the ice, um, the Canucks found out through the jersey on the ice, if that never happened, do you think that Boudreaux would be Ooh. named the pres or named named the coach and the general manager Jim Benning fired? Oh, dude, that's or do you think like what Francesco said, like waiting the ten games or whatever to see how things play out? Do you think they would still be on track and Travis Green would still be behind the bench right now against Boston? Um, man, that's, that's a, that's a good question that this could be a hot take. Um, I think the Jersey was definitely the, the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that just going like, there's always a little bit of, um, I guess an edge when a Jersey gets thrown or like a, a piece of merchandise gets thrown on the ice because it's just like you're throwing in the towel, right? Like you're all, I'm a fan and I'm done with this team. I don't need this $300 Jersey I just purchased. Right. So I feel like the Aquilinis or Francesco in general was probably like, okay, we have to make a change or we're going to have this consistent. We'll have two, three jerseys thrown on the ice per game and we'll have less trust in the fans. Like, what, what do you exactly. think? Do you think the same? That's exactly what I think too. Yeah, I think if that didn't happen, we'd, we would be still miserable Yeah, as a fan base. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, still with Travis Green and still with Jim? Yeah, 100%. That's 100%. A, that's a fair take. I mean, we, we I saw... think they would have maybe traded a player first instead of the coach and GM tandem. Right. If that jersey wasn't thrown. I think they would have they would have like they like Jim Benning had such poor asset management. I feel like they would have seen that and then if if they, he was still given like the power, they would have just traded someone. Right. And if you're now that Bruce is coming in and he basically kind of has free game to do what he wants because there is no GM currently. So, do you think that do you, do you think that Bruce decides, okay, I'm going to start making some trades and make this roster the way I want it? Or do you think he waits it out for maybe 15, 20 games and sees actually what he has and the, the top of the skill that he has? I think he should wait. Um, I mean, who who's he really going to trade, right? Right. 
like I know JT Miller's name has been thrown out. Um, I know Boston has been showing interest in JT Miller. Um, but what are they going to get back for that? Are they going to want to get picks or are they going to want to get players to make a run right now? Which mm. I don't think is in their wheelhouse. But like, I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. That's a, that's a really tough question. I, I think the smart thing to do would be to get draft picks. Yeah. And just kind of um, and just kind of hope like maybe dish off some of the players that are, you know, not the Pedersen and the Hugheses, but you know, more like the the Bessers and the and the Horvats and rake up a bunch of picks for the next upcoming drafts and and hope they progress. 100%. I think the mm-hmm. fan base would turn more if you traded Horvat over Miller. Right. Just because he's the captain. Yeah. And he's been established here. We drafted him you know um so i think miller could kind of get us more in return as well True. than horvat because horvat horvat seems to be kind of stinted in vancouver he's yeah. he's shown like so much like skill and and um character and heart but at the same time he has off games more often than not yeah. whereas miller shows passion every single night so i feel like miller no matter what team he gets traded to, he's the same type of guy. Yeah. Whereas Horvat would have to try to match his game to what team he's traded to. Yeah, it, you've seen glimpses of Horvat's potential, and it normally comes in big games, but you don't you don't see it consistent enough for him to be you know a top twenty player in the NHL. Exactly, he's right. definitely captain clutch, but uh, but he's not consistent <laughs> enough to be to be uh, reputable across the league i think yeah that's good i think as a captain i i I don't even know if he's he's the best captain we should we should be having to be honest with you yeah i think we just had to throw the c onto anybody because at the at the time yeah i mean edler was you know coming closer to the i wouldn't say the end of his career but he was definitely getting older so do you throw the c on him for a couple of years and then have him retire or even you know leave us um or give it to the the up-and-comer the the best draft pick we had at that time yeah, exactly. And it was a smart move at the time. I just don't think it's panned out the way they've wanted it to. Do you, do you think the Sedins had any, um, I guess, factor in giving Horvat the C? I think they did. Um, I, I definitely think they did. Um, like pl- playing with them, Horvat played with the Sedins as well. So I feel like they have that chemistry in the locker room and they've, they've probably knew that he was a leader off and on the ice. Right. Um, but it's interesting to see now, like the Sedins. Uh, speaking of the Sedins, they have like they're coming out of the woodwork almost. Like before, they wanted to be behind the scenes of the Vancouver. Like, but now with with Benning being gone and uh, Green being gone, they seem like they want to be like more involved along with like Stan Smeal and stuff. So it's going to be right. really interesting to see how this plays out, dude. If I I don't know if this has ever happened, but could you technically have two GMs and just put both Sedins in them? Not like Vice or. or uh... If you have president and vice president of hockey ops, but have two of the same title of GMs as both the Sedins, could you? You know what? I feel like you could. Like the Vancouver and and the Sedins, like who would have ever thought that two brothers would be drafted together, right? Yeah. So why couldn't you have two GMs? I feel like they're not in it for the money. They're just there for like the heart and the passion of the team. Mm-hmm. So like, why not? Why not give it a shot? Try it for a year. That would be pretty dope. I mean, they're already you know, very, very well liked in Vancouver. So even if it doesn't yeah. pan out, they're still their their brand isn't going to be tarnished by that. Exactly. And I feel like they're well liked across the league where like if they're communicating with other GMs, that wouldn't be an issue that there's two of them. They're just yeah. known they'd be known as the twins, right? Like people would just go back and forth with them. I don't I don't think that'd be an issue at all. And I don't think they're in it for the money whatsoever. So I don't think that would be an issue. Yeah. Just um, take like both together, make one GM's pay. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I think 
um, jumping into some Montreal talk here, I think that's what's kind of going to happen in Montreal. Okay. Um, because Jeff Gordon uh, was named president of Hockey Ops. Yep. But at the same time, Montreal needs to hire a, a GM that's bilingual. So that limits their potential candidates to like a slim handful. Mm-hmm. So, But Jeff Gordon is known as a GM. So I feel like at the end of the day, he's going to be calling the shots and the face of the franchise is going to be this bilingual whoever they choose. Um, right. So he'll be the, basically um, the spokesperson, but the person who's sharing it to the media will be the ones. He'll basically that's be the how I of, feel. of Gordon. Exactly. That, okay. That's how I feel. But I feel like they're also going to work collaboratively at that. And I feel like that's what could potentially happen with the city in Vancouver if yeah. they were to be GMs, that which would definitely- be awesome. It would be really sick. And it it also depends, too, on, you know, what they want to bring to the table. Are they thinking, hey, this is the team that really does need to go through a rebuild? Or is it, hey, we have the pieces. We have the Swedish pieces. We, we know they love them. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's keep them and try to develop them through. Because, you know, th- I think this team on paper shouldn't be as bad as we were playing at the beginning. But 100%. maybe it's Bruce Boudreaux's coaching style that's going to be able to spark another know fire under them to bring more passion and and a little bit more winning to to the locker room yeah boudreaux is known for being a mid-season turnaround master Mm -hmm. he did it with the capitals uh the ducks and the wild so like he's known yeah he's he's known he's known for coming into a team that's in turmoil and like turning that ship right around and I, i i have so much confidence in him i think it was a great hire yeah. Like, I don't think there was anyone else out there that would have been as much of a face of a franchise. And, and like, judging by Canucks Twitter right now, like, the fans love him. Yeah. Like, he's kind of, like, almost like a memeable, likable character, in a sense. True. Very true. Like, I saw, like, a tweet the other day. It was, like, Boost Boudreaux seems like the type of guy to uh, sneak you candy after your mom told you no <laughs> kind of thing. You know? He just seems like a, like a fun grandpa. Like, yeah. I don't know. So So, I think, like, he'll really, like, get attached to that fan base and, like... Yeah, I don't know. I just I expect nothing but good things to happen with Booz Brodro. Well, dude, when we were at the when me and Thomas were at the game, uh, the LA game, I, I really didn't know what mm-hmm. I was to expect when I walked in. I was like, okay, we, I, and it also this was the first game of the season that I've went to. So even when I was outside trying to get into the arena, I noticed that there was a lot of fans outside. I don't know if it was because they had to do the vaccine passport and everything, but it, it just seemed packed, right? Yeah. And then we go into the rink, we go sit down. Everybody just seems like a little bit more relaxed. Like it's not all stress, high strung. Oh, we're gonna lose. There's didn't seem like there was any anger from the fans. And then after that first goal from Besser, it was like, okay, you know, shoulders are down. Besser's got off the Schneid. He's finally got his goal. This is the moment the team needs. We're gonna turn this around. Um, and then in the third period, it was the hashtag uh, Bruce. There it is. So yeah, that was awesome. So, I think like. If 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 anyone but Besser scored there, it wouldn't have been as um, much of like a run like, for the four no. Yeah, like like just the fact that he was the one to get that breaking goal in like this new era of Canucks hockey. Like, and he needs yeah. to get that monkey off his back. It was perfect. It was like almost poetic. It, it was weird too seeing Pedersen play PK, dude. Like, yeah, he played penalty kill. He looked good though. So apparently. Um, uh, PD and Hughes went to Boudreaux and asked uh, to both be more on, like more PK time. Yep. And he said, uh, "Only if you prove yourself, then don't ever ask me again." So I feel like he's like a hard nose kind of coach. Yeah, it's like you have one shot, you have one shot, and one opportunity to make an impact. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, don't talk to me again. <laughs> 
Which I like is it. It's kind of what these not, the young guys need, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't walk around the arena thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play 27 minutes a game, and then you know expect, okay, yeah, like I can do whatever I want. Like Boudreaux is gonna be the person who makes who, who crafts Hughes into being the player that Boudreaux wants. Yeah, you know, um, 100%. and it, it'll be interesting to see how this roster turns out for the rest of the season because I feel like there will be some changes that occur. Um, thinking about how that Bruce Boudreaux era was with uh, the Capitals. I mean, they were they were a rough team in the third and the fourth line. Like, you know, they were running with the Jason Chimeras of the league. So yeah, if that's a choice that they uh, decide to go with too and they start bringing up some dudes that are uh, a little bit bigger from the A, that could be what turns this, uh, turns this team around and starts actually getting some points behind us, you know? Well, I think they, they need that. They, they need to make... Like, the star pairs need to play more on edge and more risky Mm -hmm. but they have no one to back them up if they run into trouble right so they're scared to make like big bold plays it seems like and it's 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 partially on the player for not deciding to to make that play but it's also on the supporting cast because they're not you know looking out for the team itself like if say for example hughes went up and you know went end to end right if that happened Mm -hmm. now who's on the defense to support him tyler myers Right, like yeah, exactly. If you got a Tanev that's going to sit there at his blue line waiting for the two and one to come back, you're yeah. you're going to be in a better route than having a two and zero. Yeah, hundred percent, man. So, the Boudreaux era. I don't. Can Bruce Boudreaux speak French? Yeah. No, I I assume so. Yeah, looking I, at the I last mean, name. It, the last name sounds incredibly French. Yeah, sounds directly out of um, Montreal. Yeah. So, who are you looking for for your team, as a as a GM or maybe even coaching because uh, okay so I have a few points here I really like Dominic Ducharme okay he's had a solid history as a coach okay I like that take man I like it um, so he coached the Halifax Mooseheads to 144 wins in three seasons that's pretty fire brought them to the Memorial Cup in 2012 and 2013 now he has Juan in the NHL is it a bad decision to fire the coach that's played with your young player that you are wanting to invest in for Vigneault or potentially like another player. Cause I think Vigneault has got the top spot if he wants yeah. in Montreal, if they decide to make a coaching change. Yeah. Um, but I also think Ducharme needs more time. Like he went to the world juniors in 2017. He got into the cup last year. Like he has a solid, solid reputation. And he was kind of given nothing too when he got them to the cup, right? Like he was coming in off of what there's a Claude Julian era, mm-hmm. right? And when you're given the the team that you that you were given, which is a team that nobody thought was going to even make it to the make it, let alone the Stanley Cup Finals, but even playoffs, um, he, he I, don't, I think he's just got a really good bond with the youngins, you know, like with yeah, with Cole totally. Caulfield and Suzuki and all them. Well, being their AHL coach, I think that like totally helped. Yeah, more buy-in. Mm-hmm. Do you so? Do you feel that if Ducharme does stay, do you feel like he'll be with the team for quite a while, or do you feel like it would be one of those things where he stays with the uh, the team for a season and then they? End I think the it'd season? be a three-year extension. Okay. I All think right. it'd be a three-year extension, less than five, but more than two. Um, but I also I don't blame Ducharme because like. How are you supposed to like expect your roster to perform without their starting goalie? Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like he's taken so much weight in this and it's not his fault. 
Mm. There was a lot of turmoil too with uh, with the carry price situation because you know I, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't say turmoil because that's a bad <laughs> term, but carry price was coming off of like a the probably the best postseason he's ever had, maybe let alone best season overall that he's ever had. Um, and then he's just gone the for the following season, and you know obviously for due reason, but there's there's almost like a a loss in the locker room and maybe totally. even a loss in the fans too yep 100 percent, man like no weber and no price so that's two of your veterans right there gone yeah and edmondson too man huge mm. edmondson stand edmondson stand for me yeah like it just the odds were stacked against them to have a good season and that's how it's playing out yeah do you so do you feel if if Montreal right now is trying to turn things around, they just got Mike Hoffman back. Like, what is your take on the Hoffman uh, signing off from the offseason? I'm not a Hoffman fan. Okay. How come? I feel like he had one good season and <laughs> it's an Ottawa he's bias. He's been dude. overrated. Yeah. He like he looked good in Ottawa because there's no one else to look bad next to. Yep. Okay. Fair. And and him coming over, he went to St. Louis. He did nothing there. Yeah. And then he comes to Montreal. He's what what has he done? Like like he 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 looks so lackluster all the time. Like he he'll he's so streaky where he'll pick up like three points here in like a couple games and then he'll go like maybe a month without a point. Yeah. Pick up five points. And it's just you can't bank on the guys like that in your roster. Mm-hmm. I think I think he needs an AHL stint, to be honest. You, and your team has a load of shooters on the power play. I mean, you got mm-hmm. Caulfield shooting, right? You got Hoffman shooting. You got Suzuki who can pot him. Um, it, it like, and you to have Foley. to Foley exactly. Like, and even you got Josh uh, Anderson if you wanted to play him up yeah. there too, right? Yeah. You have so many goal scorers, but you're just lacking that one playmaker that can pass to one of them. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and Nick Suzuki's like the maybe the perfect person to be that that guy because. He's the center for the line, the fa- the face of the franchise for, geez, probably the next fifteen years. Totally. Um, oh yeah, he fits signed that fat extension. Yeah, he'll be there for quite a minute. So, is if you're like kind of in the the headspace of Jeff Gordon right now, what's what's your plan? Is it keep the team, make a trade? Who are you looking for? I think they need to make a trade. Okay. But the the piece that they move is key. I think they need to move one of their young players. Like, yes, they did just lose Cockney to Carolina, mm-hmm. um, which I think was a blow to the locker room because I feel like he was well liked in that locker room. Right. But they need to move another young player to get more assets that can for them because they they need more veterans on the team. Mm-hmm. They lost Carey Price this season, Shea Weber, um, and all these young players that are coming up through their rankings. Like, they have one to look up to. Yeah. And so they need some sort of direction. Yeah, there it it seems like the D might be the option for for who you bring in. Like you got Romanov and Kulak. Um not a not a Kulak fan in my opinion. No. No. I I I can't he, I can't he's, get the buy-in. He's very streaky. Uh there's a Twitter account of Brett Kulak. It's did Brett Kulak score? And every game that Brett <laughs> Kulak plays, the person either says yes or no. And yeah. his account went deactivated from like last year up until like two games ago. And he's like, I can't believe I opened this account again. Yes, Brett Kulak scored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, so it's like you need almost like a Quinn Hughes on defense. Yeah. Like they have big tough guys on defense or like want to be big tough guys on defense in like um, Jeff Petrie, uh, Shea Weber, if he ever wants to play again, mm-hmm. uh, Romanov. Even though Romanov, I feel, deserves more ice time, I think that's one of Ducharme's. One of my critiques on Ducharme's is that he tends to play players. He likes to ride the hot hand, which is good, but he doesn't give opportunities to, to the players that like need a step up in their game. Right. So he won't give these players opportunities to get the hot hand. So it's like, how do you expect these players to get hot if you're benching them or like limiting their minutes? So I feel like he shoots himself in the foot that way. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, he he does call up, like even Ryan, Ryan Pilling, man. I remember that one... Um... I don't know if it was the last game of the season or a preseason game where he came in and scored a Hattie and everybody was like, yeah, oh, this... I think it was a hat. It might've been even like four goals. I think. Yeah. I was like, it this was, guy's, it was... the, these guys, the next thing. It was the season before like the COVID season. Yeah. And it was like one of the end of the year games where like Montreal missed the playoffs and, and he just came in and lit it up and yeah. we're like, this guy's the guy. Yeah. He's going like, to be the Caulfield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But where is he now? Yeah. He's up and down the roster, up and down to the A. Like I feel like he needs to give guys a chance. But at the same time, like they need a veteran in replace of Shea Weber if Shea Weber is basically retired now, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to say like who do you pick up though? Like like and who do you give up to that for for that veteran player? Like it's hard trading a young guy for a vet because you know you're only gonna get X amount of years out of this vet yeah. where you could get like so many more out of this rookie but at the same time yeah it's just it's just hard i think montreal's asset management is terrible and i think they made the right move in hiring um jeff gordon mm-hmm. because came okay, on jeff gordon when he was the gm of the bruins he got phil kessel lucic and marchand in the tw- 2006 draft in one draft he got those three players and those all three players are like household names now yeah that's true so like the guy knows what he's doing he traded uh, Andrew Raycroft to Toronto for Tuka Rask. Like, he's not afraid to make big moves. Mm-hmm. And I think his first move as GM, or like PHO slash GM, whatever they want to run in Montreal there, um, is it's going to be huge. I'm like, I'm looking at the team, and I'm looking at the cap, and the only thing that scares me is, man, there's a lot of money locked up for a long time. I mean, Galley's locked up at 6.5 till 2026-27. Um, yeah. you have a bunch of other players like that too. Anderson, Petrie's up until 2024. So if you are planning to make a splash, and Tyler Tafoy's locked up at 4.2, that's actually a really good deal. Um, but if you are trying to make a splash in terms of your roster, you have two people coming off the books next year, uh, which is Brett Kulak at 1.8, which he'll probably sign for under a mil, uh, mm-hmm. and Ben Sherrod at 3.5. And Ben Sherrod's name is right now is on the trade block. So... Um, do you think he's somebody you would want to le- lose from your team for a for a pick, or what do you think the return would be for him? I wouldn't want to see Sherratt leave for a pick. I would want him to see him leave for another defensive acquisition because they're so short on defensemen. Right. With Shea Weber being out, they need to keep all the defensemen they have. Yes, he's UFA, but who are you going to get for a pick for Ben Sherratt? Not much, man. Yeah. Not much. Yeah, you're not gonna get a first rounder. They're they're quoting it, man. Like I'm, I don't know, I don't agree with uh, Ben Sherratt for a first, uh, so I'm kind of in the same boat as you. 
I'm thinking you could potentially get a second or you might be able to get kind of like that fringe on the break of potentially being somebody player. Like you might be able to trade him for like a Travis Sanheim from Philly or something. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that I would like to see. Yeah, for sure. you, you save a lot of uh, you save a lot of years off the age piece too, because I mean, Schrott's at thirty and Sandheim's young. Yeah. Um, even, I think what I, about I, Kale Clegg though too? Yeah, he, he. I. So for me, I really want Montreal to just keep their defensemen. Right. I feel like if anything, trade trade like a, a Jake Evans. Okay. And for a re- defenseman in return. Because Jake Evans, like he, he can put up points, he he can play, and he's a solid right winger. And teams are like lots of teams are desperate for right wingers. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you flipped him for a defenseman, that would be the smart move. Yeah, and and I feel like you said, dude, he definitely loves to play. He's kind of got that same mindset as JT Miller, where it's I'm gonna yeah. go out there and give it my all all the time. Yeah, exactly. And and like Kale Clegg, like he's 23, so it's like. Invest in your young players, get them a veteran defenseman in replace mm-hmm. of Shea Weber, and then build around that. Yeah. Rather than just shipping people out. Yeah. And, but if you do, you know, if you do keep, let's say, your Kale Clagg, your Romanov, um, or even looking at like David Savard, too. I mean, David Savard's locked in for 3.5 for another couple years. And yeah, he, that's, that's a bad contract. Yeah, I know. I know Montreal fans aren't too stoked with uh, with how Savard's doing there. But yeah, what can you blame him? I mean, he's a right-handed D-man. That's that's exactly what every team wants. Um, yep. So for a bargain of three point five, I mean, dude, we're paying Hamannick like three. So uh, I'd rather take David Savard over Hamannick. You know? Yeah, you know what? That that's a that's a fair point. Um, Hamannick, man, that guy is nothing. I know. He he is nothing. He was nothing with Calgary and he was overhyped because Calgary had no one mm-hmm. at that time. And then he's done nothing for us. He's avoided, you know, the vaccine and yep. he can't travel to a couple games. Like like he's he's more of a I feel like maybe that was the cancer in the Canucks locker room at the end of the day. Yeah. You never know, right? Like that like Yeah, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. He was a high pick, man. He was second round. Uh, for the Islanders and everybody mm. thought like okay this is this is going to be the Islanders lockdown D-man that they need and I remember there was uh trade rumors when he did get shipped over to uh, Calgary they're mm. like oh he wants they want a first in return and a second in a pick I was like for Hamannick I'm like okay maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something you know I don't I don't watch Islanders games daily so maybe I'm missing something there but progressively he he did he actually you know what 33 points back in 2014 looking at it now that's not even bad but then he goes to calgary like you said and yeah 11 points 74 19 and 69 12 and 50 but even those years like negative three negative nine negative 21 so for a defensive d-man that's getting you numbers like that that's that shouldn't be three million dollars worth no no it should not be especially like the amount of times um how many has gone up and down to the a this season mm-hmm. it's ridiculous it seems like I, I i think i saw a canucks tweet the other day it was like we just recalled uh travis hamannick and it was like six hours later they like sent him back down yeah like uh, actually looking at the tv right now he just got injured so there you go oh well he'll be going back down soon yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah can't catch a break man yeah and the the, the amount of ufas that the Canucks and also the the Canadians share is is kind of similar. I mean, there's like three or four UFAs that do, 
I guess, have some value. I mean, looking at Canucks, it's like Tyler Mott's a UFA. And um, mm-hmm. I guess the only one is really Brad Hunt, but you always got to keep Brad Hunt, the Maple Ridge legend. Oh, yeah, dude, the GOAT. Um, and then Montreal is uh, kind of coasting with a few UFAs that maybe will resign if, you know, this if this season turns around. But like you said, you know, you got Ducharme, who's really locked in with Druin, and maybe he's bought in with Druin forever. You know, he might be with your guys' team for quite a long time. I wouldn't wouldn't mind to see that. I think he deserves more time to uh, develop these relationships with the players. And like Montreal loves Ducharme, like he's 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 local. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's he grew up like just like ten minutes outside of Montreal, and he had success. He brought them to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like yeah. that's pretty damn good as a first year coach in the NHL. Yeah. So I feel like the media just needs to be a little easier on him. Let him you know kind of find his stride let the team find their stride i don't think it's smart for jeff gordon to make drastic decisions Mm -hmm. just just quite with in regards to the coaching but at the same time it all kind of depends on the gm that they bring in and what the gm wants to do because sometimes the gms has their coach and that's their guy so he could just can do charm and hire who knows yeah right even chase was saying uh in the last episode he was talking about how montreal really likes to you know, pick and draft off of the nationality. So yeah. going into next year, um, if Montreal kind of progresses at the same pace they are, they're probably going to be looking at a top seven pick. And mm-hmm. the name Matthew Savoie stands out. So do you feel that they might go that same route and decide to pick off of nationality? Or do you feel, or even if you were a GM, would you want to make a different pick? As a GM, I would want to make a different pick. I, I think that the Canadians need to shake things up because that whole um, picking out of nationality and even having the the bilingual um, GM or the coaching coach. staff and GM, it's it's no offense to any uh, Quebecois listeners, but it's a little outdated. <laughs> yeah. It's a little outdated, right, in this day and age. Um, so I feel like they just need to rock the boat and just do something different. Yeah, because that organization needs something drastic. Yeah, especially I- without. Weber and Price, they need something drastic. They need something that will bring fans into the arena because they're missing two of their top top players, right? Yeah, I totally so agree. So where's the man. draw? Yeah, it's like the the roster itself. Yes, if they're picking off of nationality, will be French. So maybe the fan base, you know, if that's if that's the the mindset going into every single draft, you might be missing out on another player that is way better. I think I think they need to get away from that whole kind of old style of, of, of picks and, and uh, organizational administrators, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need to just, just do what is best at the time and for the future. Yeah. Instead of worrying about the whole bilingualness of it, even though that's cool and all, like they have such a great history <laughs> with that, that kind of thing. But it's just like, are you, sh- are you, trying to overcompensate so much for that and, and you're ending up just shooting yourself in the foot because you're taking these players or coaches that you could have got better um, people for their places. Exactly, exactly. It, and the team itself is always going to be known as the Canadians, right? So like yeah. if you have the Canadians ending in an I-E-N-S at the end, you're always going to have a little bit of French in it. So like I, I totally agree with you. I think the team itself just needs to reorg a bit, decide... Or maybe have a sit-down meeting and say, what are our values? You know, maybe our values are potentially changing. Maybe we should just go with, let's just get the best players possible, you know? Because my biggest fear is the rumors are of um, Arizona Coyotes 
moving to Quebec City. And then Quebec City being like, we're just going to pick whoever we want. We don't care about um, French or English, like whatever. Yeah. We're just going to pick who we want. And them ending up beating and being better than the Habs over time because they drafted so like properly. Right. Yeah. Dude, that would be really sick if Arizona came back to. uh, Oh, I'd I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. But it's also like the the team itself in Arizona. Would they be cool coming to Quebec? Like a Phil Kessel. Yeah, that's true. You know, like he played in that's Toronto. True. You'd almost have to do life. like your your another expansion draft. Yeah, that would be kind of which insane. I don't think the NHL is really willing to do yet. Obviously, well, an expansion draft with that would just be absolutely incredible, man. If Arizona decided, all right, all you guys are going FAs. And any player can pick them up, but maybe Quebec's got first option of who they want to take in. Because realistically, the team that's that's in Arizona, I don't know if there's maybe something in their uh, in their contract where if they do get relocated, they have to play there. But I don't know. We've seen it with Lindros, right? Like he didn't want to play yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they have players that do that too, like a Clayton Keller's like, I'm not going to play for this team. Trade me now. So they potentially could be a team that um, is kind of like Seattle, right? I not a huge fan of Seattle's um, expansion draft pickups, but um, yeah, questionable. Yeah, uh, definitely for the team that they have currently. They they probably should have made some changes to have some more success now, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but no, dude, I want to throw it to you for this uh, for this Zegers goal. This was okay. this was insane. Uh, what was this your take was on? this was absolutely insane. So he, like judging by the, the the reactions of the replay by Zegers himself, he had no idea that Milano batted that thing in. Yeah, like I feel like um, that was just one out of a hundred chances of that happening. If yeah, like, I know that he, play was he talked about him 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 practicing in like the U.S. development camps. He he came out and said like he practiced that move a couple times, but in mid game at that like high speed to for have that result is just mind-boggling mm-hmm. and at 20 years yeah. old dude yeah it's it's the goal of the year for sure for me i think yeah i agree man I, that that goal was unless somebody pulls off a michigan yeah um but is that almost even more impressive than the michigan because he basically did the michigan and then he had to flip it up and then milano had to have the hand eye and wherewithal with with surrounded by defenders to bat it in the net yeah, I would say the Milano Zegras goal was the best team goal, right? I yeah, think okay. I, th- I think best goal, or if you're just looking at goal of the year, I th- I still think there's gonna be, if this was on Sportsnet tomorrow, I still think the the Connor McDavid goal going through the entire team will still be the number one, but yeah, I don't know. It it closes a really close second, dude. Because like you said, having having the gall to just flip the puck up, decide to go over the net, and then also have the actual, have Milano finish that? Because if Milano missed it, nobody would be talking about it. Yeah. I heard um, Milano came out and he was, he was, he said he was yelling at Zegras. He was yelling Michigan, Michigan, Michigan over and over (laughs) for him to pull off the Michigan. And he ends up flipping it over to Milano. Like, it's just so impressive, the chemistry between the two. So I remember when I was, I was talking about this in a previous episode too. I remember watching Milano, he had like this entry entry tape with um with Columbus. And literally the entire tape, it's on YouTube. You can just type in like Milano hand eye. And it's mm-hmm. this full video of him just doing all this crazy stuff, um, like flicking it up to himself like three hundred feet in the air and then coming down and catching it. 
So this dude's he was notorious for having crazy hands and like things that you wouldn't expect to see on the ice, but just cool to do like like a Zach Bell kind of, you know, like yep. do some crazy trick shots and stuff. That's what he was known for. And then he comes into the league and doesn't do anything for like four years, five years, and then finally joins uh, Anaheim. And he's like, okay, I've got a player that likes to do this too. I can finally be myself here. Yeah, no, it's awesome to see. Anaheim is like blowing my mind every time I watch them. They're fun to watch, man. They are. Like who would have thought Anaheim? Yeah. Everybody right. hated Anaheim from the Canucks seasons because like they always used to beat us. Yeah. But like even Getzlav's finding his stride again. And, like, Jeez. There's just like a like a fountain of youth in the in that organization that is that other other teams need to like pay attention to. Yeah. The the moment the moment that I knew Zegers was to the level that everybody was saying was the world juniors, man. Like, yeah, he, well, I think he had like 18 points in seven games. Like, dude, that's uncalled for. Like, that's disgusting. Yeah. That's dirty. And mm-hmm. yes, he's playing with Caulfield and Turcott and stuff, but comes out into the chell and does this with Milano and Ricard Raquel, who had an awful year last year to just revitalize the entire team is, I don't know. It makes, I've got, I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, he's like a breath of fresh air to that whole organization, man. True. So if you kind of think about how this season has gone, right, with, um, I guess, everybody kind of coming back to regular going to games, you know, you don't have to worry about the bubble or anything like that. Which team do you find the most entertaining to watch? Florida. Yeah? Yeah. What's it, Florida, what's it Florida is electric. They are electric. I say between the Hurricanes and Florida, even last year they were kind of still the two front runners for the most like electric fan bases and like team atmosphere. Okay. Like maybe maybe not so so much Florida with their fan base. Like even though their their team is absolutely sick, they still got like a bunch of empty seats in their arena. Eighty fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're just so good. Like they're um, they're like dominating teams. I think. Last year, I would have loved to see them beat Tampa in, oh. in, in the playoffs there. But uh, it is what it is. But I just love, like, um, Jonathan Huberdeau um, Barkov. is so good. Like, he's so good. And, like, their goaltending is unreal. Yeah. And I think I think they can make a very, very deep run. I, I just, I kind of feel in this, I'm, I, just, I just don't know if the, if it's, the, the fact that they're playing in Florida and they don't get looked at as much because their their fan base doesn't really care for hockey too much. Mm-hmm. But it, that's in that same vein, it's like Tampa Bay's roster. Tampa Bay is located in Florida too. And yep. they're selling out games consistently. Yes, they're Stanley Cup champions, but like if you're liking that type of hockey, why don't you pay like 50 bucks less and go to a Florida game? Totally. You know? Totally. And then do you find that the Carolina Hurricanes are fun to watch because of the, the storm surge at the end? Or do you find it like the team's um, electric on the ice too? I think that storm surge like kind of started that. Mm-hmm. And then now it's progressed into them just being like a team with such amazing chemistry that is unmatched anywhere else. Yeah. It just seems like a bunch of friends, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And you got, you got Rob Brendamore back there, good Campbell River boy. Yeah. And like... And he is just killing it. Like, mm-hmm. like he played for them. He knows the organization. Um, obviously, he has the respect of the players. Like I think it's just that organization, top to bottom, 
it's going to see a Stanley Cup in the next, I want to say, four years. Oh, yeah. Another one. Yeah. And it'll de- it'll depend on what the the players are around Brindamore. But, dude, you got Aho and Teravainen. You got Sveshnikov. Yeah. Like, Seth Jarvis yeah. is making moves this year, too. Like, Yep. You're deep, man. They have a deep roster. Um, good goaltending. Like, I think, I think they can last for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens this year. There's, there's a lot of teams that I didn't expect to play well that are like Anaheim yeah. and, you know, even yeah. Detroit too. Detroit. Yeah. yeah. I, I have, if I was going my favorite team to watch, um, I, I'm probably going to have to give it to Detroit, dude. I, I, there's this, this bias for me because I always think like, yeah, Maritz Sider, like a German massive defenseman who's like younger than us comes into the league and puts up like 18 points already 17 points or something as technically the swedish top defenseman who wasn't really an offensive guy is just it's mind-boggling yeah right like lucas raymond the swedish kid that had a really mediocre world juniors comes in and has like 21 points in 20 games like huh alongside larkin who also had a horrible year last year like it's cool. and we're not gonna talk about Bertuzzi because he's uh he was yeah. un- unvaxxed, but whatever. Uh, and has he's, COVID. He's now. pretty nasty though. He is nasty. Yeah, two ways, two ways in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I really like how this season is turning out. We've seen some incredible goals like Zegers's, yeah. McDavid's. Um, yeah. Do you think it's when it comes to like McDavid's goal for goal of the year candidate? Do you think that the goal itself is? is goal of the year material or do you think it's just like oh it's just mcdavid being mcdavid it's kind of normal it almost is mcdavid being mcdavid but at the same time the way like you see him enter the zone with his head up scanning the ice he knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. as soon as he gets the puck he knows what he's planning on doing but at the same time as impressive as that goal was jt miller kind of did that the other night too true so is it that impressive if JT Miller can do it? Not knocking JT Miller at all, but he's no McDavid. Yeah. Um, so I think that Milano and Zero School is just that much more impressive. Yeah. Even though like you're looking at an individual effort compared to two guys with good chemistry. I feel like it's hard to to compare those two goals. So I want to give the edge to Zegris and uh, Milano. Yeah. Um, but I think like if you give McDavid that puck in that spot with that exact same scenario playing out nine out of 10 times, he's going to score that goal. Yeah. And so I don't know if that answered your question or not. <laughs> no, no, totally dude. Like you think about the, if you flip spots, right, you put Zegers in McDavid's position. Would Zegers be able yeah. to do the same thing? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, don't think so. McDavid's hands and his hockey IQ and the scanning piece that you mentioned, like that's all the variables that made that Rangers team look like it was a bunch of 13 year old kids. Yeah. Totally. Right? And, and, and who's out on the ice for the Rangers? I think like Adam Fox was out yeah. on the Rangers for that. Who's like, who's a potential Norris, like crazy, crazy. He just exposed them all. Yeah. I think even Zibanejad was out there too. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was top line against top line at that point. And then you flip it and you put, okay, if what if McDavid's behind the net and he's passing out front to Dreisaitl? Does that same thing happen? Maybe. Maybe. Right? I think there's a high chance of that happening. Well, I think McDavid, it was last game. He tried to pull off the Michigan live game too, and it just slipped off his stick. So Yeah. A lot of guys have tried it, and I'm waiting for it to happen. Dude, you kind of have that bond to it, though, because you got the lax blood. Yeah, yeah. Right? Do you think it's, um? do you think the Michigan, well, like, do you think the Michigan goal is 
as crazy as it is or do you think it's going to be something that's just so common it doesn't really get an eye bad at it anymore i think it's going to be crazy when the when it happens a couple more times like give it three more times it's going to be like holy shit, that guy just did that right but after like it kind of gets routine i could see them implementing a rule change to to uh get rid of it Mm -hmm. that's what my mom was saying she's like that's not fair that's like that's like yeah yeah a lot of people gave uh zegris and milano some backlash saying like you can't do that you can't flip the puck over the net but no it's not it's not a high stick Mm -hmm. it was a clean goal under the rule book but i think the nhl would start to if it happened like you know like every second game Mm -hmm. i think they would have to do something about it because yeah yeah you might even start seeing referees checking for you know tape being the opposite way to try to pick up that puck easier. yeah totally they, they do the same thing in um you know like baseball had that scandal yeah the, um, the, the glove glue earlier or this year or even like uh the nfl uh wide receiver gloves are like too sticky or whatever so i could see some some changes taking place if it happened more often and you, you never see those infractions anymore like equipment issues it's yeah like, it's yeah. just a it's a penalty that doesn't happen anymore yeah. So if that, like you said, if that goal continues to happen, yeah, there definitely could be some rule changes because it could just be too OP. It just happens, you know, once every 10 games right now, it's like yeah. twice a year. Yeah. And it's, it's su- super cool to see still, but I feel like that like wow factor is going to slow, like quickly wear off if it, if it happens more that, frequently. Yeah, that's true. Um, So I want, I want to kind of give it to you for this, uh, for the Canucks piece again. So okay. right now, what we're at the Canucks Boston game. What's our uh, what's our live look in? We're at one nothing um, right now. One nothing in the going into the third here. And look who scored it. Brock Besser. Brock Besser. You know what, man? I saw um, a Twitter video of Bruce uh, kind of giving it to Brock Besser. I, I guess in the first practice there. Okay. And I guess uh, I think it was from Thomas Drance, and he was saying, um, like Bruce told Besser to like shoot whenever he can. Saying when he saw Besser, um, whenever they play the Wild, back when Bruce was coaching the Wild, he said he always feared Besser because he was so lethal with his shot. And I feel like Besser has been very shy about that shot this past season and maybe even season and a half. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been been the same player. So, Do you think it's injury? You know what? I was kind of just going to get into that. I think ever since he got that back injury where he got hit to the boards – two seasons or three seasons ago. Yeah. He hasn't looked like the same player. He seems nervous. Yeah. He seems scared. Like he's going to like suddenly shoot it and like slip a disc, like an old man, like follow the ice. Yeah. But like, like I, I just think like he needs to regain his confidence. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, every hockey player is, you know, built like they're not going to fall apart off of a shot. Right. So yeah, if, if it is, it does kind of seem like there is a bit of nervousness every time he goes into the corner you know, if there's a D man coming into him, he he'll panic and kind of flip the puck either outwards or exactly. Exactly. Um, I think he just has to improve, like basically start thinking about, Hey, my body can take this, this punishment if a guy's coming in so that I can protect the puck so I can get this in front for another shot. Um, and as dude, yeah, his shot is excellent. It's just, it's non-existent now. Yeah. But when he, when he gets it off, it's like, wow. Like he has the capability to be an elite goal scorer in the league. Yeah, he just needs that passer, and that's what Pedersen has to be. But Pedersen also, yep. I think it's kind of a bit of an identity thing. Is like, like, do I want to be that playmaker guy or do I want to be that sniper? If I'm in, exactly, if I'm in shell twenty two right now, am I going to have the sniper characteristic or the playmaker? 
you know? hundred percent, man. hundred percent. What would I feel you like him to be? I want him to be kind of like a dry sidle. Okay. I feel like that's a good comparison for Pedersen because he has the vision. Mm-hmm. He can move it, but he can also find those openings where he can sneak a shot through. Right. And I feel like that's very similar to like dry saddles playmaking. Mm-hmm. He's, see- um, he's sneaky. Yeah. He's very, very sneaky. And yeah, I, I would like to see him more into that role. I feel like like maybe a few more years, maybe a bit more confidence, but it'd be nice to see it now. Yeah. Where do you think, this is like a weird question, but thinking about Pedersen, if you're out in, you know, low, I think Pedersen lives in Olympic Village or something, but where do okay. you, Pedersen, if you were to take a guess, where do you think this guy goes and drinks in van? What do you think is, what do you think is off, his off day routine consists of? Where does Pedersen drink? I want to say like the <laughs> local or like colony or oh, like, like colony you know, like, guy? Yeah, kind of like kind of like a basic guy, kind of a basic guy. You know, pulls up in some jeans and maybe you know some, yeah, some Stan, you Sam know, Smiths, like a black fitted tee and some Ooh. tight jeans. You know, he's he's feeling himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like he's a basic kind of guy. I, I think that might be it too. Is like this team obviously has to blow some steam off, right? And like, yeah, maybe this team just doesn't have that uh, that go to place to blow off steam. Are they going to go to rec room? Probably not. You know. Yeah, exactly, man. They they need that. They need the roosters. Yeah, exactly. They do. They need they need a spot um, where all the boys can go and bond as a team. And I feel like you know what? Maybe uh, maybe Bruce will have some impact with that. Maybe he'll say you know, here's a boys' night. Boys here's night a practice off, and here's yeah, exactly. They need that man. They need some. They need some bonding and uh, to get some chemistry going. That'll be that'll be an interesting play, and I think. Like you said, man, that might be Bruce's. Imp- Bruce does seem like a like a total, like bro. Yeah, you know, like you said, he's the he's the <laughs> he's the parent that sneaks you candy after dinner. Yeah, dude, yeah, he's a, he's got grandpa vibes. Yeah, big grandpa vibes. Yeah, uh, but no, man, th- I want to say thank you for joining on, dude. And yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. And when it comes to your hot take, you've seen the episodes. You know how this goes. Yeah, I do. What's, I've been prepared. Okay, beauty. What do you? What's your hot okay. take? So, so it's kind of a two for one. Okay. Um, hmm, okay. I don't really want to say it. Like as a Habs fan, it really sucks to say this, <laughs> but I think the Leafs make a deep playoff run. Okay. So that's my part one of my take. Okay. And I also see Detroit sneaking into the playoffs and I see a Detroit and Leafs matchup in round one with the Leafs moving on mm. in game six. Okay, when you say deep playoff run for Toronto, what do you? Are you? Are you I think say conference it? finals. I think conference finals. Ooh. No cup, but conference finals, and they get bounced. Okay, so if it was an Eastern Conference final matchup, they lose into like Tampa or something. They're losing to Tampa. I think Tampa goes again, but they don't win a third time. Mm, okay, maybe it's an Edmonton. But I also win. don't know who in the West will will take them. I, I'm not too sure. Colorado is looking a little shaky and they were my top pick for the cup and there's not looking like that right now buddy i'm i'm loving how minnesota's playing yeah you know what they're kind of like the islanders of the west yeah they're like low-key yeah like they're they're kind of they wear you down like the islanders their playing style is is kind of slow and methodical and they just wear you down like you know it's like two nothing games kind of like like overtimes like they're not like a high scoring team and that's kind of similar to how minnesota style is yeah minnesota can have 
you know, a game where it's 2-1 or a one nothing you know, shutout win for Cam Talbot. Yeah. Or they could just completely get their chemistry in line, and then Kaprizov goes up for, like, four points. Exactly. Points, exactly. Know? Yeah. Okay. So Toronto, Toronto deep run, and Detroit yep. making it in, getting bounced first round. Toronto conference finals, and Detroit and Toronto round one matchup. Okay, that's a good. That's my hot take. That's my hot take. I I know it probably it probably pains you to say that. Eh? It does. It does. Yeah. Okay, I like that take, man, and I'm I'm gonna hold you to it. That's your, right. That's your one take that you get. Yeah, I'm locking it in. <laughs> and we'll see. How, we'll see how the end of the season goes, and whoever gets the closest with the hot take, if it, that's the thing I didn't even realize. If if two people get their hot take correct, then I'd have to split the two four into two twelves. So. Well, we, they can share it together and enjoy it. Yeah, that, just buy one twenty-four and say, "Hey, you guys yeah. have to share this." <laughs> but, Whoever uh, finishes it first got the best hot take. Yeah, it's true. You could get thirteen beers, and then the other yeah. person gets eleven. <laughs> um, but no, man, thanks for joining. I know uh, it, it's kind of a little bit interesting recording virtually, but dude, you did an excellent job. So thank you. Awesome, thank you, man. I was a little nervous, but uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Of course, man. If there's any other opportunity you want to join in, just let me know. But uh, yeah. To our fans, thank you for listening in. Uh, Trevor was an excellent guest, and we'll uh, we'll get another episode going for the following Saturday. Thanks again, everybody. Peace.